morning and welcome to Wake Up to Working From Home, our weekly reality check on all things WFH. I'm Barry Ennis and today I'm joined by the incredible Sam Monet. You got it right. Yeah, founder of the Student Breakthrough. And the quite frankly smashing Polly Downs, our resident coach who specialises in coaching parents and families. So since the government took the unprecedented steps to shut down the schools for the majority of children, parents and families have rapidly risen to the challenge of homeschooling our young. And now as we approach a warm Easter break, although it doesn't look so warm today, and the continued lock me- lockdown measures are in place, should we down tools and start eating chocolate or try and catch up on the curriculum? And are life lessons more important than math lessons at this point? So with us as a former teacher, Sam witnessed many challenges that young people face and hence set up student breakthrough to support them. And as a mama of three secondary school kids, Polly is currently navigating the homeschool curriculum. Our format is simple. We take three topics and share our insights. We're not experts. We have the same amount of clues as you, zero, but have experiences and ideas that we will hopefully bring to life and make useful. It's a panel discussion, so you don't need to have your camera on. Um, just get a cup of tea, sit back and watch, and you can take part in the chat box or in the Q&A bits below. And we're running some live polls throughout just to get your input on some of the topics. So today we decided, excuse me for having a bit of a sore throat today. I haven't got coronavirus, I promise. I said I'd never mention the word. Damn, editor. (laughs) So I think we decided today our topics would be a schedule, curriculum and mental health. They're what we're going to tackle today. So welcome both of you. Polly, is school out for summer? Or are you currently in the middle of your uh, staff room morning break? School is out in this house. Did it start? Um, It's... So I've got three teenagers um, and managing their daily schedule has been tough on the homeschooling side of things. Just trying to get them all. I've tried to keep them in a schedule of getting up at eight o'clock, starting schoolwork at around nine. Not really because I care that much whether they're doing their schoolwork, but more for their own mental health. Um, I guess also for you to have some sort of structure, right? Yeah, because otherwise they'd be getting up at one or two and then they wouldn't want to go to bed and I need to go to bed to get up to work. So I kind of, I want us as a family to be in the same structure. But now it's the holidays, obviously, that's not going to happen. If it was normal Easter holidays, we'd be doing things or going and visiting family or something, which would mean there would be still a bit of structure to the day. But now we've got two weeks where, again, they could just sleep until two every day and they would if I let them so I think I'm I'm gonna my plan is to get them up around wake them up around 10 ish and hope they're downstairs by 11 ish but in terms of managing expectations there I like it yeah (laughs) (laughs) you like the way of saying I hope yeah I hope um but I, I for them you know how they're going to entertain themselves and what they're going to do is a whole other thing and Teenagers are a bit better probably, but I think if you have young kids, you know, what will you do? And maybe some people will carry on doing a bit of learning work just to try and keep some structure. And let, and, and let me say hello to Sam. So Sam, I, shouldn't you be in class? You look like you're just about to leave juniors. No, that's a long time ago now. I've got a little bit of facial hair coming. Okay, all right. I wasn't sure if that was just paint <laughs> It's my, it's my uh, quarantine beard, or trying to. Um, but Polly, what you said about the routine thing, I was coaching a boy recently, he's 18, um, not a boy, I guess a man, um, 
<laughs> who's really struggled. He's now going to bed at like, he's not, he's going to bed at like three in the morning now because he's getting up so late and his wow. mum hasn't installed some sort of loose routine. Um, I think even though he's 18 and technically, you know, he, he should be able to stick to something. He's really struggled with that. And because of that, his mental health has gone, you know, a little bit wayward because he's got no, like, you know, nothing to wake up for in some ways. So I think having some sort of loose structure like you're doing is really, really positive. Even if, you know, they might not be doing like focused schoolwork now all the time. How do you do it, Polly? Like, cause I remember being a teenager and having a normal school day and not getting out of bed. Like to then not actually have to go anywhere just to come downstairs in your PJs. Like, how do you do it? I haven't started yet. <laughs> This um, is a theory. This is good theory then. Yeah, I, I think they under, I've explained to them the thinking behind it. It's not, they're certainly not going to jump out of bed at 10 o'clock, but I think they do understand, um, you know, why it's important to them. And I think my concern is what to do with them. So it actually does feel like the holidays because mm. until this, you know, three weeks ago, they were working really hard and they did deserve a, a break. And now that kind of, they're doing a lot of, managing their own time with their homeschooling as well so I want them to feel like they're having a break and a holiday and for them staying in bed till two would feel like that so it is going to be you know it's a difficult one for them and um, I don't know I think we might just have to do things like have lots of takeaways and I don't know my 12 year old wants to have theme days where we're going to do like we're going to have a, a dinner party thing where he's going to be the waiter that's, that's one thing that's okay, one thing and now we've only got another 13 okay. but and this is cringe now but is there any way you could make that into some sort of schooling event in some way like the whole kind I of cooking i think all these experiences are you know he's been cooking quite a lot and he's never been that interested in cooking before so that's good um i did on their first day of the holiday, oh, not the holidays, the working from school days, I sent them all a text in the morning saying after you finish school your challenge of the day is to measure the area of the outside of the house so I know how much paint I need and then we're going to paint it and their response was yeah nice try. <laughs> <laughs> Even I nearly bought into that. <laughs> I know so it's I think with little kids I think there's some great opportunities for that sort of cross-curricular learning which for, it, it's it's playing, but you know, if it's go outside and find me five insects and write their names down or draw a picture of them, you're doing that's brilliant learning in a really holistic yeah. way. Um, older kids, yes, things my daughter actually tidied the kitchen, the whole kitchen for the first time. That's good life skills. Yeah. And and <laughs> Sam, in your experience, what are the ways to kind of motivate kids to do stuff? They don't necessarily want to do. Have you got any insights? Um, it's always a tough one. I think the biggest thing for me is always like it's hard at this time is purpose, right? Like having a purpose of like an outcome of what you're doing, you know, like and then working towards that. But at the moment, there's no there's no exam, so there's no there's no like endpoint for this. So I think the motivation thing is really really tough. But I, I think setting like small achievable action steps each day is probably the best thing like what are the three things you want to do today whether it's collect insects whether it's clean the kitchen or do a little bit of maths just keep it really really simple because something is better than nothing and then you know maybe tick that off on a on a wind chart or something they've achieved that day um and i think that's the big thing for this is just not overcomplicating it 
Yeah, that's interesting. It's kind of like core coaching principles in a way, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. What to achieve today and, and maybe have, I don't know, like full disclosure, I don't have kids, so I feel like a total fraud in this conversation. But I guess if I was looking at it from a kind of coaching point of view where a lot of the time we are trying to get people to do things that they kind of know they need to do but don't necessarily want to do. <clears throat> and it is that kind of in finding the purpose, finding the motivation, do some stuff that you want to do, play to your strengths. Um, so maybe it's a sense of kind of having a view of what the curriculum is or what the schedule could be and then getting kids to decide what they want, power to the kids. Yeah, I think, again, that's the, the easiest way for doing coaching principles. Like that's why what we do works at Student Breakthrough because they set their own action steps and they go away and achieve them from a young age. Um, so I think an easy way is having some sort of loose routine three basic things they want to achieve that day and then tick those off and then move forward. But you know, the thing of curriculum is like, what do you focus on? Yeah. And I think for some students really working on at least, you know, one of their subjects they really struggle with. So let's say they have all their GC sub GCSE subjects. Um, and let's say they are struggling with history or something. They might want to dedicate a bit more time for that than maybe something they're more confident with perhaps. Um, as like an outline of their day. And Polly, you were saying, I like that thing about getting them up at 10, really realistic there at the table for 11, because <clears throat> again, thinking about when I was a teenager, I didn't, you know, my clock was like, I didn't really function until I was about 10 or 11 in the morning. And school was so hard for me because I couldn't get up at seven in the morning. <laughs> Whereas now it seems that there's an opportunity to run the schooling day kind of later if you want. Yeah, and I think, it's, I think it's just whatever sits in with your family. So if nobody was working at all, then yeah, why not all get up at 11 and go to bed at midnight? But I do need to get up and work, um, which means I want to go to bed earlier. And I've, for me, the decision is I want us all to go to bed at the same time. I don't want the kids to be going to bed after me. But in my head, that doesn't feel like I'm you know, doing the right thing as a mum, or I feel a bit too out of control. In fact, I dread to think what might happen. Um, so, but I think it is, it's being flexible, you know, according to your family's needs. And it could be, I think that's, I'm talking about teenagers. If you've got young kids, they're usually up at six, aren't they? So then mm. you know, maybe as a family, you will go to bed earlier to deal with the fact that every day you've got them up at six and you're trying to entertain them all at six. Um, and I guess that kind of moves us on to the second piece, which is curriculum. And um, again, having no idea, I did my GCSEs in 1996, so I'm sure it's moved on slightly. I was, uh, I was, I was five. Nice. Right. See? <laughs> I'm very well. Um, what, what areas, Sam, do you think are going to be trickiest on the curriculum at the minute to homeschool? I guess the practical side, I mean, I've, I spoke to lots of teachers and like the content is really easy because they can just set a worksheet on Google Docs and, and going through that. But I guess more skills based stuff like exam questions and how to answer and how to structure essays or, you know, more practical things they're really going to struggle with. Yeah, all um, I can think of is a Bunsen burner. Like who has a Bunsen burner at home? You've got, they... you got a hob. you got a hob. Oh, this is good. Yeah. So you're, what you're recommending, Sam, is that people all just gather around <laughs> the hob. <laughs> just stop burning different metals. Just see how it goes. Just dissect the cat. Yeah, just that's fine. Do some do some acting in the front room or something like that for <laughs> drama. Bang some pots together for music. I don't know. Practical cool. things. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I'm just thinking now. Like the sciences, I'm sure are, are tricky, right? 
Well, that's the thing. You can read the content, but some stuff you actually have to do it. Now, when I, I taught history, we didn't have to like, well, if you were year seven, we might have recreated a battle right now and again or something fun like that. But I think for me, the content would be really, really easy. But the curriculum thing is, like I said earlier, it's, it depends on each student. And I really, really feel that, you know, you can't just say maths, English and science, although they are important. It's actually about like, what's the subject you're kind of struggling with and you don't want to be left behind when school does go back. So if you're, you know, if you're listening to this and you've got a son or daughter who maybe is struggling to do anything, at least get them to focus on one thing, yeah. one subject that they find a little bit challenging and work even half an hour on that day, because then they won't be left behind. And Polly, have any of your lot kind of shown a new passion for a certain subject since they've been working from home? No. <laughs> <laughs> Laying in bed, watching Netflix. You know, these are great skills. I think my, um, my biggest concern was my daughter who's meant to do her GCSEs and she said, what's the point? The school is just sending lots of tests through for her to do and she's saying, what's the point when I'm not going to do exams? Mm. And she's kind of got a point there. So with, with her, um, I'm trying to respect the fact that she is, you know, it's a really disappointing situation to be in for them. So I'm, she knows what subject she wants to do for A-levels and she knows she wants to do A-levels. So she's doing reading around her A-level subjects and watching relevant YouTube videos. And I do think um, with the home learning, there are some really brilliant teachers who've created YouTube videos for actual for the actual lessons, following the whole curriculum, and they can be really, really helpful. I think particularly for parents who are trying, who are struggling with, you know, if my kids come to me and they're stuck with maths, but maths is way more complicated than when we did our GCSE. Mm. Sorry, maybe not you, Sam. <laughs> um, and so I don't really know where to start, but on YouTube, there are really good explanations, and I think they learn better in that way, mine seem to, than just staring at the piece of paper. Um, I also have huge questions around what they're really going to learn and when they go back to school is, I can't imagine, it's not going to be fair to start from the point of all these things they've sent through. I imagine they're probably just going to have to go back to the beginning again, the teachers, and cover it all again anyway. So Yeah, I was just thinking that if I was in a situation, I left teaching in um, 2018, so not that long ago, and if I was doing this, you'd, you'd 100% have to recap everything you're doing. And with history and other subjects, there's so much content now to, to get through. So it might be a faster recap, but you're still going to have to get through that. And you're still going to have to go over it. So, Polly, I love what you said, though, about your daughter, because, you know, there's obviously you know, tens of thousands of students who haven't been able to do their GCSEs. And uh, that's great work, I think, just doing some reading around your subjects at A-levels. I think that's perfect. Yeah. For right now. Um, I think that's a great again flexible and depending on your situation there's not like a cookie cutter shape right for mm. homeschooling it's it really relates to you guys as a family um yeah. so yeah that. and My... i think the thing is it's not really home it's not homeschooling in the way that people who make the decision to keep their kids away from school from a, yeah. a school and do homeschooling that's a completely different thing to this we're trying to teach help our kids to learn whilst doing our own jobs we're not qualified we haven't done any research into it so I think for parents it's really really difficult at the moment to you know we don't understand lots of the subjects primary school kids need a lot of input I was just going to say that actually because a, a niece in my family like a niece once twice removed or something is has always been homeschooled the whole way through me growing up and it was always this kind of anomaly in our family that 
these guys were being homeschooled. And you're quite right, they didn't work and they had extra support, dedicated support in order to do that. And that, so the name homeschooling that we're using today and people are using is really untrue, isn't it? It's kind of juggling another element of this pressure that we're all under to try and kind of keep kids engaged and on the educational path. But it, so yeah, it loads of homework. And I've, in my family, homework has always been a source of stress. I've always thought homework should be banned because it's really hard to integrate the learning they have at school with trying to get them to do homework when they're, or do that kind of work when they're at home. So it's, that makes it very difficult, I think. I'm just having a little look at the polls here. So we'll be delighted to know that 100% of people say that they do not stick to the recommended school schedule. So, you know, people are just doing it their own way, which is actually really nice to hear because yeah. we can talk about mental health in a second. And, and I think we're probably focusing on the mental health of children, but actually the mental health of parents having to try and manage all of this must be huge pressure. And the second question we asked is, are you using the home environment to educate? i.e. baking, and Polly, you were talking about doing some maths. Um, and I think 100%, yeah, 100% of people said, yeah, they are. They're just using stuff that's around the house, everyday uh, situations where they're educating. And I kind of love that because I, I don't know about you guys. Again, I feel a bit of a fraud, but it felt like the curriculum had moved away slightly from what real life was about and what the working environment was about. And Holly, when you're saying, you know, like the reason we all need to go to bed at a certain time is because mummy's got to get up and go to work to pay for this place. You know, it's kind of like they're important messages, you know, and finding out about the finances of the house and how this works. It feels like there's an opportunity now. I don't know what you think. Yeah, I think you're right. I think there are lots of those. They're seeing, you know, we're all in the same place and seeing the same, seeing the patterns and seeing, yeah, how much... I feel like I spend my life cooking and clearing up at the moment. So I'm getting them to do a bit more of that. And I think they're finding that kind of tiring, but with that comes a bit of you know, understanding what like life is like as an adult. Mm. Um, and I think for, yeah, I really think for primary school children, if I had primary school children now, I'd be so focused on those kind of learning opportunities, get them to make their own sandwich at lunchtime. But that could become a learning. They can, when I worked in a primary school, one of the favourite lessons for year two was when they had to write instructions of how to make a sandwich and then they brought in their ingredients and they made a sandwich. And then there's a little bit of science in there with their measurements, there's writing, there's maths. There's, it's, that's a good little cross-curricular lesson. Little top them. tip from party there. And I think moving on to the mental health piece, it does feel like the most important area to talk about at the minute, both from a kid's perspective and, well, I guess from a family perspective, household perspective. Um, I, I guess, Polly, do you want to share, how's that going in your household? Are you, how are you managing it, or yours and everybody else's? Um, so I think there's something around giving everybody space. Um, mm. Some days we'll all go for a walk together for that hour, but that's quite rare. Generally, they I've kind of encourage them to go out on their own to just have a bit of space, especially when they're starting to fight and shout a lot. Um, I, so my, my daughter has had some big mental health issues over the last year with, I think, the stress and anxiety to, of work as well as other things. 
so that's where the structure is really important but that you know that has helped me in a way because she understands the importance of the structure for her to get up at a certain time and to keep her mind active and learning um I really think the I just hope that we are this one-hour exercise continues to be allowed because I think getting out even if they're not going to do go for a run just a walk is amazing for everybody's mental health mm. Sam just before I come to you I just want to recognize that Michael has got in touch Michael Baglia is saying that he's got sun in reception and requires almost constant engagement to keep him focused on his schoolwork so they're doing a nine to 12 schooling lunch and then in the afternoons are free um, where the parents can then work and Again, I think it's just finding out that individual schedule that works for your family. Are the schools recommending stuff? Are the schools kind of dictating anything? Depends on the school, really. Um, right. Like some schools are doing lessons nonstop. Like um, in terms of you still get your lessons, a teacher log on to Zoom and they're using, yeah, like literally teaching. So students still have to show up. Some, some schools what are literally... Only one laptop in the house. What if you've only got one... Yeah, yeah. that's hard. And like mentioned with um, like the space, that's another thing you've got to consider in this time is, yeah, who's got access to the resources and what time? Because mm. not everyone, you know, has got, you know, not everyone's got a laptop. So I think space and giving people that room um, is really, really important. So I was looking at another comment. And like Michael, I'm actually doing that. I, my kids, I um, get them to do half an hour roughly per subject or, and the, the plan is for them to be finished around 12.30 every day. That's good. Echo than the afternoon is free. Um, and we're getting some lovely comments in now, but Sam, do you want to just give us your perspective on mental health? I know you work with kids specifically in terms of the challenges around schooling. Yeah, I think, you know, it's been, we obviously week three now, aren't we, of the lockdown now. Um, and I think we spoke about the start barrier. There's a bit more, I guess, we, a bit more known quantities than there was um, at the start. Mm. The students that I've been working with really, the ones who've been struggling have had no routine. They've almost been left to their own devices in some ways. Um, yeah. And I think that's brought on their own challenges of anxiety and worry. And like I mentioned at the start, like the routine and having some sort of structure is so, so, so important. Even if it's like Polly just getting them up at 10, like that is still a routine. Um, I feel as well, it's a great time to, to focus on empathy and really listening to your kids. Um, now you're spending more time with them like we're all busy we're all rushing around especially if you're working from home but I feel now you can really connect on a deeper level and and not just like you know listen to reply but actually listen to understand and, and build a bit more empathy so I think as we're all coaches on here asking those you know deeper questions sometimes if if you've got the space to um, it's going to be great to help your kids if they are struggling with especially anxiety around this time because you know everything's changed so have a routine, ask some questions and actually get them to do at least something each day to make them productive and achieve something. Yeah, I'm really struck by that notion that we're calling them kids, they are kids, but it's getting to know them as people in a way, isn't it? It's a different opportunity to level with the other people that you're living with. Well, um, I, think, I think like Polly mentioned in terms of appreciating what, you know, I guess if you're a, if you're a child, appreciate what your mum and dad actually do for you in terms of cooking and cleaning, showing up, like running a business um, for you guys coaching. And I think out of the back of this, a massive positive, everyone is going to have at least one percent more empathy for the people in their household, and, and hopefully worldwide as well. 
Um, so I think that's a massive great thing to focus on is, yeah, just listening a bit more and, and developing those. You know, we talk about new skills like, I don't know, learning to do a headstand or like yoga or all this stuff. But what if we just learned the skill of listening a little bit more? Yeah, nice. I agree with them. And I also think there's something about a sort of emotional awareness that can come out of this time. Um, so Kate has just sent us a message through saying that her, her daughter's back from uni and she's suffering from loss. She's sad at the loss. I think that's a, it's a huge emotion that we're all feeling. And I think it's quite hard. The, the younger you are, obviously, the more difficult. But it's really quite a hard... The situation we're in now, it's hard to grasp the fact that lots of us are experiencing grief. And for children, that sudden lack of... you know They're not going to school. They're not seeing their friends. And for adolescents as well. Um, it's, I'd say to Kate, it's really good that you're... Or impressive that your daughter's... No, she's acknowledged that it's a loss that she's experiencing at the moment because I think lots of us are just confused and can't really name it yeah. and I feel like with little kids there are really good ways to start the day they're confused and often they can't describe what's confusing them but even if it's like I had a really good up I'll give it to you Barry to post to people uh, an emoji thing and it's just heart colored emojis six of them and you check in every day and one's I feel fantastic and the bottom ones I really need some support um, and I think for primary school kids and all of us that's really helpful to just be able to say how you're feeling and talk around that and there are opportunities that in a normal school day when you're rushing to get out of the house and then they have clubs after school or whatever you don't really get to talk about feelings very much and they're amazing life skills that help us become as much more um, emotionally intelligent adult yeah and i think from there's a sense of allowing just allowing what is um so the isolation that might be needed the expression of emotion could be anger or frustration that might feel out of place it, it's just to sort of allow stuff i mean i'm talking from my own perspective here of re realizing of this kind of under underlying low level of stress that i can't really attribute to anything but it's clearly because we were in this uncertainty um and i'm like i quite like to be certain about things um and i know that i've been reacting in probably quite obscure ways and for kids that must be tenfold or potential to be tenfold and so there's probably just a sense of allowing and not trying to fix um I don't know what you think about that, but like the space piece sounds to be really important in that you just allow the space to be and then have faith that, that it will come back, you know, that the children will come back. Yeah, I think it comes to like leadership as well in terms of uh, you've got to show, though we are all uncertain, though I feel a little bit stressed. Um, obviously, if you've got younger kids, like you need to really be showing up that although this is uncertain, it's also something that we can overcome and we can come back stronger from. Um, because like the language you use, you know, creates the reality in the household, especially if you've got younger kids. It's really important that, yeah, you can talk about the uncertainty, but equally show them that this is going to make us stronger as a family, or we're going to learn lots of lessons from this and, and really be that role model for them, not panicking them, if that makes sense. But also, yeah, like allowing that, that conversation to be had. I'm just thinking about, I know Polly, you didn't see it, but the the nation's mother, if you like, Queenie, who spoke last night, and she delivered this, whether you are into the royal family or not, but she delivered this very soothing, positive message that didn't talk about challenge and didn't talk about suffering, but talked about resolve and coming together and, and good humour. And 
it, there was a sense of watching it last night thinking, okay, there are other perspectives on this, um, however tricky it might be. And that notion of leadership, um, I think it puts a pressure on the adults in the, in the environment to have to step up to that. But if they can, um, for the sake of everybody, it's probably worthwhile. Um, and that's probably quite a good note to me, <laughs> in all honesty, because, yeah, it's, uh, what would you say, it's week three of it. Yeah, it feels like it's been about three years, doesn't it? I don't know if it's like that for you, but to think about it in terms of three weeks is quite an eye-opener. Sometimes I'm like, this is really normal. And then sometimes I'm like, this is so unnormal. Do you know what I mean? Because it feels like a bit more, it's been going on for a while now, but sometimes yeah, I'm like, people say like, it's going to return, return to normal. You're like, is it? <laughs> and also, what was that? Um, so I guess the opportunity there is to then think about how would we like this to be going forward? You know, what's, what are the new rules that we want to create um, as a family unit? How do we want to, how do we want to handle this together? Because those people out there aren't telling us what to do anymore. That's quite liberating in a way. And that's a great question to ask, by the way, just is like, how do we want to handle this? And like, what are your strengths? How can you help the family at this time? Um, and we've got a rotor in our household. I can't cook, so I'm doing lots of cleaning, washing up. My brother's, are, my brother's back from traveling. And like, we're all helping each other out like that. So having those conversations with your children, like what can you bring to the table? What can you offer? Like, and, and set those outcomes, I think is awesome, Barry. So look, we're out of time and I've been very naughty because I just felt like this was a good conversation for us to have, especially the mental health piece. But uh, I want to keep it to half an hour so that we don't just become another one of those kind of Zoom overload webinars that are going around. But just to wrap up, guys, could you just share your kind of your one thing that you'd like to leave us with? Maybe Sam, you start. What's your top tip for today? Uh, top tip, don't put pressure on yourself to be a perfect teacher or a perfect parent. Be flexible and take each day as it comes. Beautiful. Polly, what would you share? Um, well, I totally agree with Sam. And I think it is, I think it's just about looking after yourself as a parent, be realistic about what you can, what you can achieve or expect your children to achieve in a day and ask them a little bit more about what they think is reasonable and come to you know, come negotiate together to get to a place that suits everybody. And I think mine would probably be do one thing every day. I'm going to take that away myself. You know, even if that's just have a shower, you know, just do one thing every day and start building that routine from there. All right. That goes by so quickly, doesn't it? I feel like I've not had any, made any jokes. I've not taken the piss out of you. <laughs> I just, I feel like I've lost today. But thank you so much for joining us, Sam, and for Polly for generating your time, for all of you that registered and contributed today in the chat box. That was really useful. We're back again on Monday uh, with Lisa Paul, who's a lecturer in occupational therapy at Robert Gordon University in Aberdeen. And we're looking at relationships and isolation. Um, so join us then. Until then, stay safe and stay positive. Bye-bye. Heartache